Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. All right. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of John. Book of John chapter 4. I do want to get on into the Word of God today. I'm setting something up for what we're going to be going through for the next few weeks. Um, We're going to be talking about um, walking with Christ and how to walk with Christ. And I've um, I did partially, I did this study, I have done this study before on a Wednesday night, and it's been a couple of years ago that I did this, but God is, He has brought it back up to my attention, and He has told me that it is time to set this forward again, and here's why. Because um, I know there's a lot of crazy uncertainty going on in this world, right? Right? Um, just watch the news for five minutes and you'll see that, right? And then you'll probably get tired of it and you'll turn it off, right? I know this is the way that I have been. But this world is full of uncertainty. It's full of, of things that we are having to deal with. And with uncertainty, if we're not careful, comes other things that we allow into our heart, like fear or worry or doubt or, or something like that. And so... What we can do, though, is that we, we realize that uncertain times calls for us to be able to have a certain purpose to get through those uncertain times. And I feel like it is our certain purpose to focus on this main goal right here. Everybody and that main goal is to walk with Christ through this uncertainty, to walk with Christ through this time of a little bit of being a little bit crazy. Um, I, I think God wants us to focus on that, on, on walking with Christ. So that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. And I'm actually going to use, I know I'm, I'm starting in John here, but I'm actually going to use the Old Testament tabernacle to teach us how to walk with Christ. Okay, So that's the direction that we're going. That's, that's, that's where we're going. And we're going to start off by going to the book of John. Chapter 4, and I have a little bit of reading to do, but that's okay. It's why you came to church, amen? Amen. Starting in chapter 10, we're going to read through verse 24, and I actually even shortened that. You could actually start at verse 1. So if you're taking notes or if you want to go back and read it for yourself, you can go all the way to the very beginning of this chapter, which is really important because Jesus said there's a need here that he has, and that need is to go to Samaria. That God says, I have, Jesus and Christ himself said, hey, I know we're going on the way to something, but let's go around and because I have a need to go to Samaria. There's a purpose that I have for that there. It's very important that we find out what that purpose is. And I know a lot of the disciples were scratching their head thinking, why we got to go through there to get there? Um, just as uh, the Old Testament, why did we have to walk around the wilderness to get to the promised land when there was a lot straighter of a shot, a lot better way to go, but yet there's a purpose in that. There's a purpose in that walking and a purpose in doing that. So John chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 10 and pick up after Jesus said, I've got to go to Samaria. And he meets a, meets a woman there 
And the woman is a Samaritan woman coming in the middle of the day to get some water. And as she's getting some water, she finds Jesus sitting on the well. She finds the well of life sitting on a well in her life. She, she's, she's a little bit confused thinking, oh no, I thought I was coming here to be by myself. And Jesus all of a sudden is there, not knowing exactly who it was, not even knowing exactly what his destiny was for her life. She walks into this moment where promise begins to be manifested in her life. And here it is, uh, verse 10, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, that's Jesus, right? If you knew the gift of God, it wasn't free water. It's Jesus Christ. It wasn't the lottery, even though some of you would be like, I'd take a little gift on that, right? Uh, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a Christmas gift or a birthday gift. It was Jesus Christ himself, the gift of God. And said, who is, and who it is who says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Not seltzer water or bubbly water. This is water that has a source that never runs dry. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. She's got it all figured out, doesn't she? And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it, from it himself? as well as his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water that I may not thirst, nor have to come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said, Bingo! <laughs> you have well said that you have no husband. But you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not, live, is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. For our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me that the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We, worship, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is. I'm going to repeat that. But the hour is coming and now is. How much more do you think it is even so now, right? When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. For God is a spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this word that you have given us. God, I need you. Lord, let these words not be my own. Let, they be, let, let them be straight from you, God. Pray that every word that comes out of my mouth, may it be anointed by your Holy Spirit to reach down deep inside of our hearts and our lives. God, we, we have come to the place where we recognize that we need a deeper walk and a greater walk with you. We need more of you. We need more of you. We need to be constant and stable and sturdy and confident and consistent in you. Well, Father God, I give you praise because there is nothing more consistent than the grace and the love and the mercy and the power that you are wanting to pour out on us. Thank you for that. Father, we pray, oh God, that you have your way in our hearts and in our minds, for we need you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been talking with someone that, um, even though they were kind of recognizing that you were talking with them, they, you could tell as you were talking with them there still just wasn't a connection being made? All right, uh, any husbands or wives know what I'm talking about? Usually something is going on in the life of the husband or the wife and uh, something going on in their world and you just happen to enter into that world that's going on and you're like, hey, honey, I got to tell you something and I blah, 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 blah. And, and while even though they're kind of half looking at you, if they're looking at you, they, they're kind of nodding like, okay, I hear that you're there and I know that you're kind of in the room with me. I still am not completely in tune with you, and I'm still not completely connecting to what you're saying, but I'm saying, uh-huh, yeah, okay, and to test that, you'll tell them, yeah, a giant just came, and he parked himself into our garage, and so now when you go to work, you're going to have to drive the giant to work, uh-huh, yeah, okay, and you can tell that there's still no real connection or, or anything there. Because they've got their own little world going there. And you just happened to come in and interrupt what was going on inside of that little bubble, right? That's called a world. All right? Say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Okay? <laughs> we have some testimonials in the house, right? <laughs> uh, I've been there myself. And, and it's, it's not really a big fault of anybody else's, maybe. Unless college football is back on. Can I get an amen from somebody? Right? <laughs> uh, unless something is going on that you, you had prepared and planned. I, I, I wanted to do this. I've, I've got to this point. Or maybe it's not that at all. Maybe you're just going through life and life gets heavy at times. And you get up with life on your mind and, and stuff on your mind and stress going on. And you're in this process of trying to figure it all out. And here I am coming in and I'm just popping in to say hello and I want to connect with you. And through all the stresses and the things that's weighing on your mind or maybe just something that you're really in tuned with, there's no real connection being made there. Even though there's a head shake, there's a nod, there's a yeah, I got you. And that, I will tell you, is the appropriate time to ask for money. Oh, yeah. 
all right? <laughs> when you've got them all tied up, when you've got them, you know that they're in a zone. <laughs> they're in, that's when you go, I'm going shopping, honey. Uh-huh, okay, whatever. And then that's whenever you can get it even on your phone and say, see, I got it, record it right there. You said it was okay. And then I go and blow some money, right? Well, enter Jesus into the world of what was going on at this point at this time. Jesus shows up and everybody is kind of in their own world, however it is that they're doing so. Maybe they're handling it just fine, maybe they're not. And Jesus has this way of interrupting people's lives and saying, hey, I know you've got something going on and I know you've got a lot on your mind and I know you've got a lot on your shoulders and I know you think you've got life all figured out and I know that you think that all you have to do to get out of, of dealing with some of this stuff is just to come to the well at a time where no one else is there and so you can keep escaping it, you can keep sweeping life under the rug, you can keep handling it however you want to handle it and, and you think you're going to keep making it that direction and that way and yet Jesus has this way of walking into this world of hers the same as he has probably walked into your world and my world a few times where this woman's got it all figured out I know how to handle this life stuff even though it's not exactly what I want it to do or want it to be, that I still have figured out a way to survive through this. Even if I've got to just go get another husband, I'll survive this the way that I know how to get through this. And, and, and I can handle that by just being my own person. I don't have to go there when all the other ladies are there. I don't have to go there when all of the other town folk are there. I don't have to go there and listen to all the news and all the gossip. I don't have to hear all of that. I can just handle this all on my own and just at the moment she thinks she can handle this all on her own, enter Jesus Christ, who loves to interrupt what we think we've got it all figured out. From your silence, I expect that somebody in here has already been through this a time or two, right? Jesus interrupts it by basically saying, I'm here to, to join in on your life, and I'm going to do so by making a connection with you. And the connection just happens to come through drinking of this well and this water. That Jesus is actually talking about supernaturally. I love how she does this because she's the same, she does the same thing that probably I do a lot of times with, with God. When God starts really dealing with the true issues of the heart and getting down deep and, and, and digging in really deep and saying, I know you've got this problem and I want to help you out with this, then she changes the subject to get real religious. Right? She's had just enough religion and just enough church to know how to change the subject and make herself look really, really good. Right? As if to say, hey, I know a little bit about this. You're a Jewish guy, and I'm a Samaritan, and, and I know how to handle this thing. In fact, I'm going to handle it the way you think I need to handle it. I'm going to talk about church. Right? I've had that happen before, too, whenever I'm talking to somebody, and 
all of a sudden something comes up where they need a little bit of help in life and I start to talk about them and the first thing that they do is throw out, well, well, I go to this other church over here every once in a while and when I go, man, I'm close to God, right? Or the, the other thing you usually get is, yeah, I know God, I, I pray all the time, right? I talk to God all the time. I love God. I love God. And what you want to say is, okay, that's great. I hope you do. But are you connected and are you operating in that love? Or are you in your own world? And when God comes in to interrupt it, you're just like, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm, whatever, do your thing, uh-huh. And then God will move on, and then you're wondering, and you're, you're wondering why you're just stuck with this same well you're trying to draw from, the same old way that you've been trying to draw for the last 30 years of your life. You're using the same bucket, and you're at the same well. And as the old saying goes, when you always do what you've always done, that's right. So when she changes the subject, she talks. She starts talking about we're to worship. And there's a little bit of an excuse here that says, oh, wait a minute, I would worship down there in Jerusalem where I think I'm supposed to, where you say I'm supposed to, but here's the thing. I'm not allowed in Jerusalem. Y'all know the story behind the Samaritans. Back in the Old Testament, they were a group of people that were Jews, and they decided to co-mingle with Gentiles, and then that co-mingling turned into marrying Gentiles and then that turned into having families with these Gentiles and then the next thing you know these, these were unpure people by the bloodline and so because of that they were looked down upon and so because they were looked down upon they were not allowed to go into Jerusalem to worship the way that the Jews were worshipping and so it became this big deal well that's fine we'll just worship our own way and we'll do it our own way, and we'll set up our own tabernacle and our own temple, and we'll worship this way. And Jesus has actually come to say, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. And what he's going to tell her begins to set her free as long as she's willing to do something. That is believe on who he is, Okay. I've, had it, I've learned enough in life to know this, that it's hard to believe in someone or hard to believe in something until you walk with it for a little while. It's hard to, we, we live in a day and an age where it is so easy to put stuff out there on Facebook and so easy to put stuff out there on Instagram or, or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever. It's so easy to, to put a filtered life out there and say, hey, look at this picture of where I went to, where I went on vacation. Look at this picture of what's going on in my life. Look at this picture of how wonderful and great. And, and what look, look at how wonderful my life is. My children keep their rooms clean. See, I'm taking a picture of that. Look at this beautiful family that we have all in front of, of, of the fireplace. And we look so good and so smiling and everything is wonderful. And yes, everything looks for so wonderful for that one second of that snapshot of life. Right? But we don't see what happens behind the scenes. We don't see how you rush for an hour and a half 
cramming stuff in closets and under beds so that you could take a picture of the fireplace without socks and, and underwear and shirts and shoes and toys and stuff hanging all off of the fireplace. Okay, I'm coming to all of y'all's house unannounced just as soon as this service is over. All right, I got, I got about 20 minutes. I'll get that done, and then I will let you go early so you can rush home. Man, it makes me feel better. Now, we, we, we have to keep a clean house because we've got piano students coming in and out all the time, and Stephanie says it's an insurance hazard for them to trip over all of our stuff as they're walking to the piano room. So, no, we... we we, we always clean up, we're always nice, and the kids love doing it too, right? <laughs> Eli. <laughs> That's life, isn't it? That's life. I, I've seen, I saw a post not too long ago on Facebook that did make me chuckle a little bit and it was it was a prayer and at the beginning of the on the top of it it said dear Jesus and then there was this jumbled up mess of of letters and drawings and stuff that was just a wad of things and then at the bottom it said amen (laughs) and that does make me feel a whole lot like life and even though we have this snapshot of this, this woman at the well, we recognize something. We recognize through the words of Christ what Christ recognized in her heart. And that is this. Woman at the well, you're, want, you're looking for something. You're needing something. Obviously you are because you keep going for it even whenever it leaves you. You keep searching for it and you keep trying to go after it even whenever it slips through the cracks of your fingers. And now you're on your fifth time around and you're so gun-shy at it you haven't even got married to it yet because you think in your mind, why get married if it's just going to end up in a bad thing? So I'm just going to not really be attached to it as much as I need to be but get attached to it as much as I can be so that I can just get something out of it. And yet Jesus says, that's the way you worship God as well. Let's just get down to the heart of it. A lot of times we treat God the same way, where if God comes into our life to interrupt it, we're like, okay, 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 just don't mess it up too bad. Do what you want. Here I am. I serve you. I love you. I'll pray, but just don't mess it up too bad. And then God really wants to do something, and we're so caught up in our own little bubble, in our own little world, in our own little mess that we think we're handling and surviving just fine. And all the while, God is trying to give us a hint on how to fix it all. And that's come to the one that can fix it all. But not just come to him in just any old way. Come to him in spirit and in truth. The word spirit here in the Greek is pneuma. And it literally means wind or breath. So to come to God in wind or breath. 
Okay, let's go a little deeper because that's not really doing it for me. That doesn't really have a whole lot of meaning for me. Why did Jesus tell this woman who's jumbled up and messed up in all of this, caught up in all of this stuff that she calls life, why did he, come, why did he invite her in to his life by saying, the time has now come for true worshipers not to worry about worshiping in Jerusalem or worshiping over here. And they, now, don't get me wrong. Jesus is not saying don't go to church, okay? That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that maybe, just maybe, instead of going to church, we should also let the church get into us. And the church being the true body of believers that are true worshipers worshiping him. In spirit and in truth. What do you mean in spirit? In wind? In breath? I think, what do you have to have to have life? You can have all, you can have, you can be completely clothed in a nice way. You can be all painted up and looking good and rings on your fingers. You can have a big house, you can have big stuff, you can have big dreams. You can have all of these things, but if you don't have breath in you, then all of this other stuff is for nothing. I've had the fortunate slash unfortunate opportunities, hundreds of doing funerals. And in lots of those funerals, you can look at that casket and they can have on their nice dress or their nice suit or whatever. Maybe they weren't a suit person. Maybe they said, bury me in t-shirts and flip-flops. Whatever, right? No, that's Justin. <laughs> we'll do an open casket, both of them, so we can show you flip-flops, right? <laughs> whatever the case may be, you can be completely decked out, but there's no breath there. Where there's no breath, there's no life. When God created Adam in the garden, he molded all of that clay together and he made it the person that he wanted it to be. But then what did God do? He blew in him the breath of life. What Jesus is saying is that you, you've got the exterior okay. You've learned how to paint it up and clean it up and take a picture of it so that you can show everybody you've got it all together. But are you really worshiping God with all of your life? Or have you compartmentalized God? I talked a little bit about that last, last week. Or have you compartmentalized God to say, you worship here, they worship there, and that's the time for worship is when I go to there or go to here. In other words, let, can I just put it right down to where we're living today? Sunday's a time for worship, right? How many of you agree Sunday's a time for worship? Some of y'all are hesitant to say that because you know where I'm going with this. But Monday... See, on Sunday, we're like, oh, God. On Monday, we're like, oh, God. 
right? And Tuesday, well, I made it through old God on Monday, right? And then Wednesday, you got to be hardcore to worship God on Wednesday, right? Somehow fit Wednesday into that schedule is, you got to be hardcore for that. Well, then Thursday comes and you start ramping up a little bit because TGIF is the next day, right? And see, I grew up in a time where TGIF was really awesome because you could go home and watch the TGIF specials on Friday night. And while you're eating your Pizza Hut personal band pizza that you got from reading your books the week before. Oh, there was, there was, there was no recording and DVR and stuff. And, and, and there, was, there was no binge watching. There was nothing like that. But you had this block of time that was so special that said, I've arrived. I've made it and survived a week. I've arrived to Friday. Come on, somebody in the 80s and early 90s, say amen. amen. All right, thank you. <laughs> and then Saturday is a day where we either try to A, have a little bit of fun, or B, cram in all of that stuff that you need to cram in that you should have done throughout the week in the last six months. And then you roll over on Sunday and be like, well, I guess it's time to go worship the Lord. And Jesus is saying, that's not the point of life. I'm sitting here to show you the point of life. I'm the point of life. Jesus came in God in bodily form. To interrupt our world, our Monday and our Tuesday and our Wednesday and our Thursday and our Friday and our Saturday to show us that, that, that the praise and the glory you feel when you're giving God praise and glory at a time like this is, a, is something that can happen every day of your life. That it is now time to worship God with your life. The other word for life, or the other word for, for pneuma, or wind, or breath, or spirit, is engaged. To be engaged. To be close. You realize that when God created Adam, and He breathed breath of life into Adam, He had to get pretty close to Adam to do so. And that's the way that He wants it to be. A closeness. A coming together. There should be something about you that says Christ is so important that no matter what it is you're doing in your own world, that when Christ walks in and says, hey, i got to tell you something, that you stop everything you're doing and you say, okay, tell me. Because from there I realize that the rest of my life revolves. Let me use this illustration, and it's one that God used many times a few years ago that busted my bubble hard. So since he busted my chops, I get to bust y'all. Just kidding. If you had everything that you could possibly want in heaven, no pain, no fears, no regrets, every tear wiped away, a beautiful home, a manicured lawn that you never had to mow, somebody say amen. Amen. Um, you had all the food you could eat and the comforts of, of, of life. You had perfect weather all of the time. You had 
you, you, you could hit a, a hole in one in golf every time you took a swing. You, every time you went to the Crystal Sea, you get to pick out which fish that you want to catch. You know, everything is perfect. Everything is beautiful. Everything is wonderful. And if you had all of that stuff for all of eternity, but Jesus was not there, would you still be okay with heaven? I could probably close service now. Because Jesus is saying, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. Come back to the one who is breathing life into you. Come back to the one that breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Come back to the one. Come back to the one who made you in the first place. Now is the time for true worshipers to worship with their life. Right? The second thing he says is, and in truth. Now this one's pretty easy to grasp. And we're going to grasp it, and then I'm going to very briefly touch on how this ties in with the tabernacle. And for the next few weeks, we're going to walk through the, the, the tabernacle the same way the priests were to walk through the tabernacle. And we're going to see that that is the way that, that he has chosen to show us how to walk with him in a life that's full of worship. Jesus said, in spirit and in truth. The word truth is aletheia in Greek. And it means a true thing, or a true thing, T-R-U-T-H-I-N-G, which says this. There's got to be a verb to it. There's got to be some action to it. There's got to be something to that. A doing something, right? Doing what? Well, doing life, we just learned, with certainty and sincerity. Doing life, doing worship. God says, Jesus says, now is the time to engage your life with God in sincerity and in certainty. And this he's talking to a woman who has had a lot of uncertainty in life. Just as we have been dealing for the last few months with some uncertainty. I read another thing that said... Dear September 2020, come in, sit down, and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> what is Jesus saying? You have had so much uncertainty in your life. Let me show you how to make purpose out of this. Let me give you purpose in this. Make Worship your purpose. Engage your life in worship. Engage it in sincerity. Engage it in certainty. And God will take care of the rest. 
If you engage in that, he says, I will give you something to drink that you'll never be thirsty for anything else ever again. I will give you not just a cup of water, I will give you a source. I'm not just handing you a fish. I'm teaching you how to fish. My purpose was to come here outside of the routine of life. Come to you, not by way of the way I normally go, but to go out of my way to get into your way to show you I'm the way and bring you into my way of life for you. And Jesus is saying it's not about compartmentalizing your faith and saying, well, on Sunday, I got a big faith and I'm here. But on Monday, uh-oh, Tuesday, uh-oh, Wednesday, oh boy. I want you to learn that it's not just about here or there, but it's about right here what's going on inside of you. It's not about the temple going to the temple. It's about the tabernacle that goes with you everywhere you go. In the Old Testament, we didn't have the temple at first. And don't get me wrong, it's a great thing to have a place that's dedicated for the service of God Almighty. How many of you give God praise that we have a church to go to, to worship and fellowship and pray with one another and thank God together and hear a word from God and hear the worship and join in together and join into that atmosphere. That is wonderful and that is great. But what would happen? What would happen if we all engaged in church every single day of our life and then when we did come together, we were already so full that when we came together and we opened our mouth and opened our heart in worship and in praise and in fellowship, what would happen? The walls we spent two years building would be broken down because the glory of God would flow so incredibly big and free. And I think that's where God wants us to get to. Now don't get me wrong, there will always be somebody coming to church to, because they need to be filled up. They recognize that that's a place to get filled up. And there are times that we all need a filling up, right? But the problem is, is you've got everybody needing a filling up. And they're expecting one person to fill them up. And that's why Jesus says that can't be done by a husband. That can only be done by me. Jesus Christ. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So God, before all of this happened, set something up as a type in the shadow to show what worship and prayer should be about. And he did it in a way we call the tabernacle. Can you get that first picture, the one with a little more color to it? There you go. How many of you have learned about the tabernacle before, right? It's one of my favorite Old Testament subjects. Because Exodus 33 and 7, Moses and God are talking about this, and God calls it the tent of meeting. 
Basically, there's something about this place that represents meeting with God. What is it about this place that represents meeting with God? Well, first of all, we know that they're in the wilderness. And God says, I know you're in the wilderness. And I know we've got some time to spend together walking this, this life out. I recognize that there's a mindset that has to go and a mindset that has to be raised up. Are y'all looking at me confused? Are y'all understand? You know, from, from Exodus, they, were, they, they got out of there. And they went to the edge of the promised land, straight up, just about, almost. And then as they were going into the promised land, the 12 spies came back and two said, yay, and 10 said, okay, good. We all been to Sunday school class enough to know that there were 10 that did not believe that God could, do, could give them the promised land because there were giants there, right? Well, here's the crazy thing about it. Those giants are still here. And they're called fear, and they're called doubt, worry, grief, uncertainty, your past, stakes. You want me to keep going? <laughs> they're still here. These same people that had seen the parting of the Red Sea said, uh-uh. And so God said, I had a feeling you'd do that. So let me walk with you for 40 years and teach you how to walk with me. And that's what happened. For 40 years, they set up this tabernacle. And when God moved by a cloud or a fire, when God would rise up and move, they knew to pack it all up and to follow. And for 40 years, God said, I'm going to walk with you so that you learn to walk with me. So that we could get back 40 years later, Joshua, to the edge of the promised land. And what did God tell Joshua at the edge of the promised land? He said, every place the sole of your foot treads, I'm going to give you. Why? Because you have now learned how to walk with me. And you've learned that when your foot is treading this out, it's not your foot. It's my foot. This is me walking this out with you. This is me walking this out through you. This is true worship. You've learned how to truly worship me when it was up, when it was down. When it was bad, when it was good. When it was night, when it was day. You learned how to worship me when the serpents took off and started biting people. You learned how to worship me when you were dying of thirst and water came from the rock. You learned how to worship when you needed something and you were starving to death and manna came down every single morning. You knew how to worship me. I taught you how to worship me by saying, come to me every day of life. And I'll teach you how to do life. Walk with me. No wonder why we're so tired. We're trying to jump from Sunday to Sunday. Walk with me. Hit the next slide, Brother Eli. This is the layout of the tabernacle. And man, I wish I had time to go even just a little bit into this, because I'm telling you, there is, this is so deep. This is so deep. Going from east to west, always east to west. 
from the outer court where the altar of burnt offering is and the bronze laver in through the entrance. There you find the holy place where the lampstand and the table of showbread and the altar of incense and then you have the veil and then after the veil there is the holy of holies, a 15 by 15 room, holy of holy place that houses the ark of the covenant which has the mercy seat of God which is the very place where God comes down and meets with people, high priest in particular or Moses in particular. And this is set up for a reason to teach people how to pray and worship and walk with God. That if you're going to pray and worship and walk with God, you have to first recognize that this, this whole tent of meeting, this whole tabernacle thing was set apart by a white fence. Brilliant white fence. And how they kept it white in the desert, I do not know. Oxyclean, maybe. But somehow they kept it white in the desert and it was white for a purpose to stand out among all of the other thing, tents and things that were around about. It was the center of the entire civilization. Even, even you got hundreds of thousands of people living in tents. Some of y'all camping for 40 years sounds great. Some of y'all are like, uh-uh, give me plumbing. Right? So for 40 years, all of the tents of the entire Israel was, or Hebrew children were around this tabernacle as if to say, if God is not the center of who you are, where, is you, where are your lungs that are about the center of your body? And if God's not the center of your life, if you haven't learned that, then you've missed out on what real life is. You've also missed out on what worship really is. It's set apart by a white fence as if to say it's also something that you should treat as something very special and something that stands out. Let me ask you something. Do you treat your worship life special? Is it set apart? Where you don't let the enemy just come in and run amok? That's what the word holy means. It means it's set apart. It's separate. It's for a special purpose. I need somebody in here to give me the most expensive wedding ring that, you, that you've got. And I want to get it. And let's play catch with it out there in the gravel parking lot. Anybody got a really expensive diamond wedding ring that I can borrow for just a little bit? Now, why would we not let some crazy preacher do that? And yet we let the enemy come in and take our stuff and borrow it and use it for things that... It's set apart. Your life, if your life is a worship, you are set apart. So quit using all of your energy in trying to take back authority from the enemy when all of your energy should be used in worship where, he, where God's presence will be and it's in that place that the enemy can't get that authority. God never told you to go take it back from the enemy 
What God is trying to teach you is don't let the enemy have it in the first place. I'm the one that gives you the authority. I'm the one that went to hell for you and came back with the keys. And I'm the one that's given you the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've done so to give you the keys and the authority of life. Don't let him have it in the first place. How many of you have let somebody borrow something and you never saw it again? Don't even let the enemy borrow it. Don't even let him borrow it. When you come through that white gate, you realize that the first thing that you have to see is this big brazen altar. This altar of sacrifice. The bronze altar actually was copper and it ended up tarnishing into bronze through all of the heat and all of the stuff that was going on. That altar was the biggest thing in the entire tabernacle. All of the other furniture would actually fit in that altar. It's the biggest thing. That, the, the, the first thing that you see the first, in fact, the Bible says that you could actually smell what was being cooked out. It's Labor Day. Can we just say cooked out? Right? What was being grilled on the altar could be, you could smell that for up to four or five miles away. It, it fills the entire outer court with this sacrifice. And when you come into, the very first thing you see is a sacrifice. And how many of you are thankful that the very first thing that got you into this lifestyle was a sacrifice? The biggest sacrifice of all. So we're going to talk about walking with Christ through that. And then we walk on into the bronze labor where you realize that the sacrifice is messy. Right? It's dirty, it's messy. So God knowing that it's dirty and it's messy has a baptism there waiting for you. And that baptism represents moving from death into life and transitioning from one to the next. We'll go deeper in that. We walk through the entrance into the holy place and that entrance is held up by five pillars. Isaiah chapter 9 and 6 says that, And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That you walk through Jesus who said, I'm the door. I'm the way. And you walk into that through, through that into the holy place where you see the table of showbread. And how that represents coming to God through his word. And, and being, it's called bread of presence. We'll, we'll go deeper in that in the lampstand that illuminates the whole place. It's the only light in the whole thing. This lampstand represents the, the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Because you have this picture of a candle with the fire on top, the flame on top. What happened in Acts chapter 2? When they had all presented themselves a living sacrifice and they were in prayer and in unity and in one accord, the Holy Spirit came and sat on top of them like the flame of fire coming to fire into the altar of incense which represents prayer and worship always going before God we read about that in Revelation lately through the veil and into the secret place he who dwells in the secret place will abide under the 
shadow of the Almighty. How would you like to know how to live in a way where you're always in His shadow? what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, how to walk with Christ through these uncertain times, through this wilderness season. How to make a purpose out of it. I'm excited about all these things that I've got to teach you because there's a bunch. There's a lot to it. I leave you with this last passage of Scripture. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And the lady said, Uh-uh. And be born. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Of God, But that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say this to you. You must be born again. For the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it. But cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus, who is Jewish, has been born of the water hundreds of times. Being water baptism. He's been born of the water hundreds of times of times and every time that you're born of the water every time you get dirty every time you get sick every time that you're going to do something or go to the temple go it's like saturday night bath night because you know church is tomorrow right how many of y'all took a bath last night or this morning amen and you did so why to put on your best before god to get all of that greasy stuff off you get all of that that that's that that sin in their case off so that you could approach god with your best which is a great thing they all smell nice and we want to keep it that way. But Jesus is saying, now listen, that's great, but what I'm wanting is a true conversion on the inside of you. Water and spirit. Where is, where is your spirit? Where is it? It's on the inside of you, isn't it? He says, I want a true conversion on the inside of you. Because Nicodemus is thinking fleshly. He's thinking, hey, wait a minute. I'm a Jew. How can I be born of again and be any more Jewish than I already am? And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. This is not based on your heritage or your Jewishness. This is based on what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of you. That's what I'm looking for, Nicodemus. I'm looking for a transition a change, a new birth. You can't do things the same old way and expect something new to happen. So I know a lot of people are like, yeah, I want to go deeper with God. Well, then here's what you got to do. You got to be willing to say, all right, God, interrupt my life. Do whatever it is you need to do. Here I am. Let's all stand. It was a little more teachy today. I hope you guys are okay with that for the next few weeks. I'm going to be a little teachy.
because I want you really to get this. If there's one thing that I'm called to do is to help people learn how to walk with Christ. Not hop, skip, and jump like from one Sunday to the next, to the next, to the next. God wants to walk with you every day. He has so much in store for you. He has an abundant life waiting on you. Telling you, you don't want to miss out on walking with him. From that walk comes everything else. Everything else. Don't want to miss it. I want us just to pray for one another as we close. This is a little bit of a different close, and that's okay. I want it to be about more than just emotion. I want this to sink in. Wherever you're at, if you're online and you're at home, I want this to sink in at home. If parents could teach this to their kids, it'd be a whole lot, it'd be a whole lot easier for families. Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to think of somebody in this building that you can pray for. And as you pray for them, I want you to pray that God would come in and teach them how to worship in spirit and in truth. Teach them, Lord God. Walk with them. I just want you to pray for them in a way where... They, where they are learning to walk with Christ. Father, pray over all my brothers and my sisters here in this building today. Father, I know that life gets uncertain and life gets crazy. But if there's one thing that I also know more than that is that if I have a certain walk with you, it leads me through the wilderness. God, we're in a wilderness right now. This world is a wilderness. So, Father, teach me, teach us, teach him, teach her how to walk with you. Father, I don't want mundane spirituality where I'm just getting a sip of living water every once in a while. I want to learn how to drink deep the living water. Father, it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and say, Happy Labor Day. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.